Welcome to Good News, being brought to you by Listening for Clues. We are Lauren Welch and John Shemitak, deacons in the Episcopal Diocese of Maryland. We sure are. And today we have a very special guest, the Reverend Derek Miller. Derek is the rector at St. Peter's Episcopal Church in Old Ellicott City, and he is the Main Street Coordinator for the Ellicott City Partnership. His bio has several words that begin with P. He's a person, partner, parent, priest, and placemaker. He lives in Old Ellicott City with his wife, Kara, and three-year-old son, Easton, and he loves to accumulate and sometimes even read books. You drink craft-made beverages and play music at open mics, which actually I'd like to hear a little bit about too. But Derek, welcome. We're really so grateful that you're here with us today. I'm really glad to be invited and to be here with you both. So looking forward to the conversation. It's so good to have you with us today, Derek. So along with all of your duties as rector of St. Peter's in Elegant City, you also are coordinator for the partnership. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, the best way to begin is to say that it's sort of an experiment as our church has really lean into part of its identity as being a church that's here for Old Ellicott City, as a parish church for Old Ellicott City. And part of that has been engaging with a lot of our neighbors here and getting to know their world, to serve them. And one of the organizations that has some shared values in that mission is the Ellicott City Partnership, which is our main street organization. Historic Ellicott City is a, is a historic district. It has a main street that's comprised of a lot of different businesses and residents. And so I, I had served on the board with this organization for a little while, and we had this kind of crazy experimental idea of basically having a, a, a sharing agreement between St. Peter's, which has been a really active and engaged church in Ellicott City, especially since the, the flooding that took place here, and, and the Ellicott City Partnership. And so we came up with this idea of having a part-time Main Street coordinator position, frankly, that was in some ways officializing some work I was already doing as a priest that believes that I'm here to serve the parish, which includes this community. And so, so we're trying it out and seeing, seeing how it works in ways that can mutually benefit not just each organization, but of course, benefit our neighbors here and help our community flourish. That's the most important thing. So. So that's, that's how it's begun. It means spending a lot of time with our business owners and residents, hearing what's important to them, hearing some of the challenges, helping to get ourselves organized and addressing some of those challenges together in creative and hopefully positive ways. So, and it's new, it just began in the last couple of months. So we're still figuring it out as we go. Oh, that's really exciting. So, Derek, can you tell us for some folks don't really know Old Ellicott City at all? Yeah. And we have an audience that kind of goes beyond our borders as well. Can you tell people a little bit about what the environment is like and what the town is like? Sure, sure. So, Ellicott City is a historic town that actually we just celebrated our, I think, the 
I can't remember exactly the right term, but it's the 250th anniversary of this old mill town that was founded by the Ellicott family and the Ellicotts who came down from Pennsylvania themselves, who were Quakers and helped to introduce grain growth into this region rather than just tobacco and tried to harvest the power of the Patapsco River here uh, for a flour mill. And 250 years later, uh, of course, this area has grown and changed a lot. Ellicott City itself is the seat for Howard County government. Uh, and so we have our government offices are here. And just like other historic towns that have gone through a lot, the economy has changed. Of course, we're, we no longer have an active flour mill that's now slated for adaptive reuse, likely to be turned into apartments and retail and restaurant space. What was once more of a sleepy antique dealing sort of town has now changed into having a more diverse economy with a lot of different businesses and uh, frankly, just a lot of different people to increase diversity here. And so we're trying to do our best to adapt and change which frankly feels very much like the same challenge that many of our churches are facing as well. And so there's a lot that's lined up there. But anyway, Ellicott City itself has also gone through quite a few tragedies. It's been, been through several large-scale fires, a train derailment, and in the most recent years, two what they call a thousand year flood events within two years of each other in 2016 mm. and in 2018, where there was loss of life and many, many businesses that did not make it through that time. And then of course, like the rest of us, we've had a pandemic as the cherry on top after that. And so uh, a lot of challenges and with that, a lot of developed resilience in the community as well. So that's just a, a little bit about us. It's a wonderful place. I, of course, I'm biased, but I would encourage anyone to come and visit. It's a place where you can get all sorts of food. There's so many different interesting shops and businesses. We have places to throw axes if you're into that <laughs> and, you know, everything in between. So it's a really great, really great town. Knowing you in other contexts, I've heard you use the word co-vocational rather than mm -hmm. vocational. Is that part of what you're talking about being a parish priest or a rector of a parish uh, of a church and being part of this partnership? That's a new concept for a lot of us. We've heard of bivocational clergy, yes. but co-vocational necessarily. Certainly. And yeah, it's it's something I've I've probably been <laughs> overly vocal about in discussions around vocation, but you know, we all have different ways in which we live into our callings. Even my bio has all these P words that describe sort of the dimensions of my own calling. I'm my part of my vocation. One as a, as a person and particularly as a baptized person in the church is to be uh, a minister in, in God's church. To be a partner is a part of my vocation as a husband. To be a parent is a part of my vocation but also to be a priest. And then that last one being a, a place maker. But those are all to me, not divided up parts of my vocation, but are all dimensions 
of a, a singular calling for me, which is to where, how I, sh I show up as, uh, as that vocation, whether I'm, you know, at the altar, whether I'm doing what I was just doing before this call, sitting in someone's home as they're dealing with a loved one who's in hospice care, or whether I'm helping to mediate conflict between business owners or help someone talk about how they can help to start a new venture in our, in our community. It's, it's all layers of vocation. And so sometimes, and I know every, every person approaches their, especially if they're in vocational ministry differently, and some people cannot sustain that with, you know, getting their paycheck from the church and, and need to get it elsewhere. But I, for me, I, I don't like calling that bivocational. I think there's an alignment in that sense of vocation. So I, I view stepping in as a main street manager as also a way that I'm caring for, for a parish, which is not just my congregation members, the people who show up on Sundays, but it's the people who live in Old Ellicott City. I consider them to be my parishioners and because they live here. And so it's my opportunity, it's my calling to serve them how they need to be served. And so this is another dimension. And that's that's been part of the, as we've discerned this a little bit here with my, my vestry here and had conversations with some other diocesan leaders about this unique structure. And of course, got the bishop's permission <laughs> to, to explore this. They, they saw this very much in that way, that this is not, this is not a bifurcating of my, of my calling or kind of a splitting up, which is what sometimes I, how sometimes I can receive the phrase bivocational, but it's, it's co-vocational. It's, it's a deepening of that sense of calling to place. And, and I'll just say one thing about that. I think that's become something that's become more central to my own. I'm not just calling, but my understanding of what I think is ought to be decidedly Christian about our sense of calling as that it be rooted in a place that when Jesus calls us to love our neighbors as ourselves, that he at least means our literal neighbors, the people that we live next to, the people that are right around us. And I actually wonder sometimes how, how our literal neighbors bear witness to our love for them as opposed to how others might feel loved. So, so anyway, that's, that's part of, I, part of it. I think for me is that we all have ways that we're called to serve, to serve others and to serve God in this world. And I'd love for us to see them as being a lot more integrated and related to one another than split up. That's wonderful. I, I love hearing that. I had not heard the word either, Derek, and I, I really like that. It does make our work, our vocation more uh, dynamic and organic. I know as a deacon, everything I did was diagonal. So That's right. I did not separate myself, but I didn't have a word for it. So thank you. In all that you do at St. Peter's and with the, the with Ellicott City, what has surprised you the most? Hmm. That's a really good question. I, I think the, the depth of the resilience of people 
continues to surprise me. You know, for those that don't know, St. Peter's as a church itself has gone, also gone through its own layers of trauma and has made it through that. It's a church that experienced imperilment. And from what I understand, imperilment is oftentimes more of a stage on the way to the, the ending of a church. And, and St. Peter's was able to come out of that and I think stronger than it was going into it. In that same time frame, it also experienced tragedy. There was an incidence of gun violence about 11 years ago where our parish administrator and a, a priest at the time, their lives were both taken by gun violence and the, the shooter also turned the gun on himself. And that was a very tragic and very difficult circumstance for the church to work through and overcome. and. You know, I'm told that on the Sunday following that tragic event, that they were committed to still worshiping in their own church. The, the Sunday following the Friday, I believe. That, that is incredible strength and resilience in the face of, of real, real intense tragedy. And so I, I continue to see that showing up again and again here in this church community in the way that they have now also leveraged that resilience in service of others who've now gone through two floods and who've now gone through a, a pandemic and are coming out of it. And so, yeah, that's a long answer of way of saying resilience. It's, it's been a, a wonderful thing to see. Of course, there's other difficulties that come with experiencing trauma and living with that as a community and as individuals, but that resilience is, is nevertheless very present. Yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of wondering for, for you as well as the community, Derek, and kind of living through these traumas, whether it was vicariously by being just part of the history, you yourself, mm -hmm. various traumas or obstacles you faced in your own life. How, what, what do you see as the source? Let's say, maybe take it for you, if it's not too personal a question. What, what is the source of that spiritual resilience or, or strength? Where, do, where does that come from for you? How do you, how are you nourished? Yeah. You know, I, if I could sum it up in a, in a word, I would say it's, it's the word connection. So connection, connection with God through obviously some of the spiritual practices that many of us engage with. For me, I've learned that that connection is often found by me getting away from all that is digital and distracting and being, being very much in, in place in nature. You know, this morning, as much as I didn't want to get myself out of bed this morning, I did to go on my, what's become a morning run ritual for me. And I intentionally do that here in the community in places where there's a lot of leaves and water running and, you know, and so that's, that's been very helpful and grounding for me because it helps reconnect me to myself as a creature, to being a part of the broader creation and the one who's created it to my creator. I think also connection with each other. And so being able to do that 
obviously in regular worship, rather regular gathering with each other, sharing with each other. I mean, I mentioned having had a moment of pastoral care right before I jumped onto this call, there is a connection that is really profound when you connect with someone else in in the heaviness and in the in their in their difficulty. It it evokes those times where you felt that same connection. I think often of Henri Nouwen's discussion around this about the wounded healer, that we mm. connect in our place of common woundedness. And that, that can be that can be very profound and sacred when we connect in that way. And not and to make it not too serious, to just connect and have fun with each other. I mean, just to like eat good food and have good drink and laugh and tell stories. Those have been things that I found very generative. I love laughing. <laughs> I, I love, you know, sharing good stand-up comedy with somebody else or, you know, just laughing a lot. I have a three-year-old, so I have a lot of material for <laughs> at home right now. And uh, frankly, that's been very restorative for me. So uh, those are those are some of the ways. Uh, also, my spiritual director has been very helpful in this of helping me make sure that I guard regular, at least quarterly times, if not monthly, where I am um, getting away and being quiet and can't be found, you know, kind of like Jesus for a little while I would do that. And, uh, and that's been very, very important for me um, and sustaining. So I hope that, I hope that gets at an answer to your question. But, well, yeah. yeah, it's your answer and it's a great answer. And it's <laughs> one I think we need, we all need to pay attention to. I'm, I'll speak for myself, right, Lauren? I need to think of my I statements. I need to hear that. I need to uh, think about getting away. I got one of the reflections in my prayer life this morning was around Jesus going away to pray by himself. And uh, uh, Isn't that amazing? And that, and that people got upset with him. They couldn't find him. You know, yes. I, you know, <laughs> they, were, they were hunting for him, right? Isn't they that, were. I mean, that's the word. Oh my right. gosh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, people do miss their priests when they're not available to, I suppose, but there is such the such a good and deep reason for that. So I, I'm going to treasure those words that you've just spoken and, and, and go back to them from time to time. Mm. Good lessons. So let's see. This is all good. You know, sometimes we do just have to be quiet and see what the Holy Spirit's saying to us, too. Mm -hmm. I'm not good at that, as you may know. I kind of chatter. Good. I loved what you had to say about laughter and just recalling some great laughs I've had today and yesterday, how that kind of opens your heart. Uh, you talked about in your bio that you um, uh, you play music at open mics. Uh, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that, what that's like and what, I mean, what's your instrument and what kind of music? Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So since middle school, I've been playing guitar and was in a smattering of bands all through high school and college. Mostly like way heavier music that I've learned that many of my congregation members probably wouldn't care for, but that's okay. Currently, a good friend of mine and I have, have this duo that we've, we've started, kind of resurrected. She and I used to play church music together at a, in a different church setting. Before coming to the Episcopal Church, I was serving in a non-denominational church context. And so 
she and I did some music there and, um, but we'd always talked about how we'd enjoy just playing fun music out wherever we could. And so we, we started doing that more recently and even played at a few church gigs here. I, we have, there's a tradition here at St. Peter's of having a big Mardi Gras party before Lent. And so we, we got to provide the music and entertainment for that. And uh, that was a lot of fun. So I play guitar and sing, she sings and also plays violin. And so, mm -hmm. uh, so we do kind of our own acoustic kind of folk Americana covers of songs. And we've started writing a couple original tunes too, but it's, it's actually been something that has also it, itself has sprung out of a recognition that there are things that I need to do just because they're fun and just because I enjoy them, not because they have some sort of, you know, ministry purpose or value for somebody else. It's actually something that's more for me. Um, and so we played at a few open mic nights here. There's one that we have here in Old Ellicott City, and then we've played it a few in the Baltimore area more broadly. And yeah, hoping to to play some more. We 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 came up with the band name finally, called ourselves both both and. <laughs> so both and because we we are both people who really love the the gray of life and the nuance that comes with with life as we live it and holding together things in tension. So if you want to book an acoustic duo band, you know, let me know. Be glad to, to play. Uh, so. <laughs> okay. I didn't know that was going to be something you'd, you'd offer, but I would like to to know, and I think our viewers and listeners would like to, gosh, I'd like to know more about this guy, or I'd like to learn more about St. Peter's and Old Ellicott City, sure. and so on. If that's the case, if someone says, gosh, I'd, I'd like to find out a bit more, or I'd like to book his band, I've got a gig coming up, uh, Where can, how can people find you? Yeah, so <clears throat> for our, our ministry here at St. Peter's, we're online. You can find us uh, there, stpetersec.org. You can uh, search for us the same handle on Facebook. We're not really on Twitter or what used to be Twitter anymore. Instagram, same same handle. And then I, but I'm like really bad for someone in my generation at using social media. I'm just like not good at it. I am on Instagram as well, and so is our band. So you can find me at Derek H Miller is my handle and then our our band is both and band so that's all spelled out b-o-t-h-a-n-d-b-a-n-d so and then for our ellicott city partnership please do check out visit oec.com which is our our ellicott city partnership website and that's that's the best way where you can learn about all the amazing things that are happening in our community. There's an events calendar. There's ways to get involved in the community. It's a really, really great resource. That's great. Thanks, Derek. We'll make sure to put all of those <laughs> links in our show notes so people can find them easily and, and connect with you. Perfect. Thank you. Derek, your joy is just so infectious. I love listening to you. And so... Is there anything else you want to share with us before we go or any words of wisdom to help us figure out how to be joyful? <laughs> yeah, I, I, would, I would just encourage us 
I mean, this is in line with the conversation we've been having and kind of my articulation and my calling here, but I would encourage our church, people in our churches to rediscover what can happen when we really re-engage with our literal neighbors. I just, I believe, you know, a part of our, part of our sacramental tradition is that we, we believe that God is present and, and, and works through really ordinary stuff, right? So God works, God is present and works through bread and wine. And let's be honest, sometimes it's not even very good wine, right? Like, <laughs> and, and God works through water and oil, you know, just the stuff of life. I would encourage us to expand our, our, if I could call it our sacramental imagination, to believe that God might also be present and at work in the interactions that we have every day with our neighbors, in the relationship that you develop with the same person that hands you your coffee in the morning, with your neighbor walking the dog, with, in the conflict that exists between you and that person in your community, that God's always present and always at work. And uh, as people of faith, and I think for us as, you know, as Episcopalians, a well, unique way of expressing that is that we can actually bear witness to that work and we can notice and call attention to that work in our communities, in the very ordinary stuff of life. And that we don't have to generate it. We don't have to kind of make stuff happen that we can just join into it. So I, I really, I believe that that's the case here in our community in Old Ellicott City. I feel like I have the unique benefit of just stepping into things that have already been in motion and that are already happening and getting to just sort of <clears throat> take my finger and sort of point to it a little bit, or, you know, maybe better yet, hold it up right? And, and say, look, this is something that God is doing in our midst. And, and, you know, how are we going to engage with it? How are we going to respond? So that, that would be my encouragement for all of us that we, we expand our imagination and we get curious about how that might be the case in our places. So, yeah. Great. Yeah. Those are words. Wisdom. You know, Derek, I, I feel so honored to be with you and, and so grateful for your spending time with us today and, and uh, everything that you've said. It's been just great. Thanks. Well, I just, I'm excited to be with two deacons at the same time. Like, that's just really fun for me. <laughs> I love, uh, part of part of my joy right now is we, we just welcomed a new intern who's in formation for the, for the diaconate. And so really excited to to work with her as well on being able to, to help us expand and, and deepen and like grow our diaconia here at, at St. Peter's. So, so I'm, I'm hoping that some of that like rubs off on me today too. <laughs> thanks. Thanks so much. Thank, thank you, Derek. It's been a joy to have you with us and you're doing, you're doing great work and building the beloved community. And I think that's what you're calling us to. So thank you again. My pleasure. And John, John and I want to thank all who are watching and listening with us today. Please take a moment to comment, 
like or share on all your social media sites. This will help us spread the good news to even more people. And again, thank you for the gift of your time with us today. Until next time, peace and blessing. Good News is being brought to you by Listening for Clues. You can find us on our website, listeningforclues.com, our YouTube channel, our Vimeo channel, and just about every podcast platform that there is. Hope to see you soon.